Thanks for tuning in to What is the Point? This podcast is tailored for those navigating their 20s and 30s who want to end up somewhere on purpose. We promise to keep the conversation real and honest as we ask ourselves this question. What's the point in all the different facets of our life? It's our desire that you would gain practical handles to these deeper questions we ask ourselves every single day. So with that being said, let's hop into this week's episode of What is the Point? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is the Point? And we are here tonight. I'm excited for our guest, but she's not really a guest because she hangs out with us at the Point. She's a leader. Her name is Tally. She's a leader among leaders. Tally, I just want you to say hi to everybody. Hello. Hello. And how are you doing this week? You know, not going to lie. It's been a week. I have bronchitis, and I realized what that woman said when she said, ain't nobody got time for this. Oh, gosh. You don't sound like you're bronchitis at all. Good, good. Do I sound like my name is Delilah on Smooth Jazz? Yes. Awesome. What what is it, Saturday Night Slow Jams? Is that Delilah? Absolutely. Call in, request a song. (laughs) Yes, call in for your favorite song, and uh, we will play it. Okay, so Tally, what's the best thing that's happened to you in the past week, other than getting sick? I went to Florida. Florida. And I sat on a beach and I did absolutely nothing. And that was the best thing to happen. Was Did you do absolutely nothing with, with someone or just by yourself? You know, I'm an adult, but I'm a young adult. So I went with my parents. So That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Quality family time is always the best. Oh, absolutely. Do you, do you go on vacations and, and with your family and, and it's just peaceful, everyone gets along? Or is it like a little friction sometimes? What's that like? When, when 70% of my family is there, it's smooth sailing. When 100% of the oh. family is there, it's, it can be chaotic. <laughs> do you have a big family? What's 100% look like? Our last family reunion, just my dad's side, I think we had 57 people. Wow. So you get yeah. like the family together. Oh, the family. Not like the family. It's the family, like the entire. Yeah, I'm talking aunts, uncles, cousins, second That's cousins, awesome. their dogs, their cats, their puppy litters. Everybody's there. I don't even think 57 of my family members are alive. I'm sorry. I, I, well, or I just, <laughs> <laughs> she says, I'm sorry. Or I just might not have that big of a family. Yeah. Or your family's Honestly. old is what or you're saying. Old. Maybe that's it. Maybe, uh. Yeah, maybe that's it. Now I'm sad thinking about it. So yeah. well, that's okay. <laughs> let's just get off of that. Um. <laughs> well, tonight you talked about uh, young adults often wanting to run from the very things that we need to press into the most. And so I would love for you to kind of dive a little bit deeper and explain that to the young adults tonight who maybe didn't hear your message. Yeah, I think a lot of times as young adults, we just naturally experience conflict, whether that looks like coming to college and having to choose a major or whether it looks like friends changing and seasons of life being things that we didn't expect. Um, It's realizing that sometimes life throws you those curveballs. And a lot of times we want to move away from those and we want to go back to our comfort and back to what we know. But if we never push into the conflict and see our way through it, we never get to the other side and we stay stuck. So what does it look like if we were to become unstuck? And sometimes it's not always good to you, but it's good for you. And so what does it look like when you experience that pain and you lead into it instead of running away from it? Mm, Yeah. Like pressing into the pain because there's something 
even when it is tough, that you can learn from that and that God is teaching us through that. And I would love for you to just even kind of talk about the story you shared tonight of Bathsheba and how she handled this when she experienced pain. Yeah, I think a lot of times we think of Bathsheba and we just think of her as the woman that David saw as beautiful. And we see her story just begin to play out in Second Samuel where she's following the rules and she's in her home and her husband's off at war and David sees her and he decides that he wants Bathsheba. And Bathsheba enters into this relationship with David in such a unique way. And David realizes that he makes a mistake and he tries to cover it up. And what ends up happening is that Bathsheba conceives David's child and he tries to cover it up. And in doing so, he kills her husband. And it's like, in what world is that the solution? Right. And then because the child was conceived because of David's sin, the punishment is that this child dies. So she immediately faces these hardships and she immediately has her life change and pivot in a way that doesn't make sense. Mm. And a lot of times we just stop the story there. But this plot twist comes in in Proverbs 31. Solomon is writing about this example that his mother set of how to be a godly wife and what men should look for and pursue in a relationship based off of the observations of his mother. And his mother is Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. So ultimately we see her story start with her And in that very area she was hurt, her example becomes the golden standard for us to follow and look for. And it's crazy how she was doing everything right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she was following the law and she Mm -hmm. was following the the procedures laid in front of her. And she still faced those tough things and, and the hurt and things being taken away from her. And I know, Tally, you relate to Bathsheba in that way that you like to follow the law. You like to follow procedure. When was a time in your life that you were trying to do things right and it went a completely different way and you still had to press through? I think a time in my life when I was following all the rules and I was doing things the way that was intended is I had experienced some hurts in my life. And a lot of times people say when you experience something, the best way to help you get through it is to find somebody who's also been through that. And I sought out that mentorship and I went to this person and I trusted them with what I had been through and they helped carry me through that. And this leader, she became a pivotal part of my life. And I listened to her advice and I found a lot of healing in that. And that was all throughout high school. And when I came to college, I was on the phone with her and she basically told me that she wanted a romantic relationship with me and that this mentee-mentor relationship, she saw it as something that I didn't see coming at all. Mm. And all of a sudden I had a plot twist in my life where I was like, I sought out healing. I pursued it. I had a mentor and it became something that I never expected it to. So now what did I do? Yeah, what's next? You're yeah. leaving on the edge of my seat, Tally. Yeah. So I knew that the right way to heal was to be in community. And that's what I had done before. But now community had hurt. And now there was a mistrust there. And for the longest time, I went around the pain. And I decided, you know what? Not for me. I'm not doing that again. But I realized that the very thing that went so wrong when it happened again in the right way would be where I found my healing. 
and where I found what community really meant. And I look at how there was such a plot twist in my life of, I don't want community. It hurts. It's wrong. I'm going to be tricked. I'm going to be mistreated. And now I see community in a completely different way. And who would have thought that this Enneagram 5 INTJ who counted herself out of interacting with people would sit here today and work towards helping other people find community. Wow. And make these systems so that it's possible for everybody else. The one thing that hurt so much brought so much healing and became a passion of duplication. Yeah, hey, God has a sense of humor in that way, right? Oh, absolutely. If you think that God <laughs> is just this mean, honorary dude, he is not. He is joyful. He's he is funny. funny. <laughs> He's a comedian, and we don't always see it that way. But Yeah, it's just so encouraging to hear that in your story and so many stories where I hear that God took someone who went through something really, really tough, and it was a pain, it was a hurtful moment, and then he flipped that around and made that a beacon of light for other people and shining light on how God used these other people and healed them, and now it's a story of hope for other people. And so in your story, what happened was you seeked out this mentor relationship, mentee-mentor relationship, and that was your community Mm -hmm. with this person in a way and you went down that path and then it plot twists it completely shifted and you're like whoa 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 this isn't what I signed up for and then through that experience you actually found what healthy community looked like Is, is that what happened yeah to learn how to do it the right way I I had to see it in the completely wrong sense so that I knew how to get back on track wow what was the biggest thing that that you learned through all that Was it to just keep pushing through when things get tough? Or was it that God can take my mess and turn it into a message? Like, what was the biggest thing that now you look back and you're like, wow, that hardship that I went through, this was my big takeaway? I think my biggest takeaway through all of it is that I had approached the relationship as this is what's going to make me better. And I'm going to find healing through her. When really, I should have seen that the answer was not in finding this human being. This answer was in this human being pointing me to God. And so how do we have this gospel-centered view of community that these people aren't the answer, but they can point me to the one who is? And how can I step into that role as a mentor where I realize there are so many catchy sayings that I can say? There's so many books I can read, but how can I bring people to God instead of bringing them to me? Mm, I like that. Yeah, I, I can look back in my own life and see there's so many people that pointed me to God and pointed me closer to him or or I experienced a hardship with that I then look back on and I'm like, wow, I know exactly why God put that person or that situation in my life. But when you're going through it, you never, never know. You're like, why? Like, what is this? This makes no sense. But then you look back, you get to the destination, although we never really arrive at the destination. Mm -hmm. We get there and we look back and we're like, wow, I see the path that God took me down and I see why because there were some hard, hard lessons that I needed to learn to be able to do the things that I'm doing now and to be able to point people back to Jesus in the way that I'm doing now. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's wanting to press in uh, but they feel like running? 
So they're wanting to press into those hard things, but they're just like, this is so hard. I, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. Like running seems so much easier. Yeah. I think of this one saying, and it's feelings are real, but they're not reliable. It makes sense to want to run. It makes sense for things to want to be scary. And it's okay to feel that emotion and recognize that while it's very real, it is not what you should lean on. And to understand that when you can push through that fear, you can then find peace. I think too a lot about how God has all of these different names. And one of them is that he truly is a wonderful counselor. And so when you feel that fear, when you feel that anxiety, when you feel that pull to do something out of comfort, realize that the wonderful counselor, he's challenging you to gain a new perspective. And what would it look like if you push past those emotions and you felt them and in doing so, you found something reliable? So if we're not relying on our feelings, we're, are you saying we're relying on God or relying on our disciplines, rely, what is it there that? I think it's both. I think when you feel those emotions, it's so easy to be swayed to just follow them. And you throw all logic and reasoning and thinking out the door because you're so overwhelmed with what you're feeling. And that can just put you in this silo. But when you recognize, like, I'm feeling this, I need to stop. I need to process it and you use those disciplines and you follow after what God has, that that is when you get to the point where you recognize I felt that, but I did something about it. One of the things I brought up in my message was that we have to come to an understanding that you have to recognize pain. You have to be able to say, You must let the pain visit. You must allow it to teach you, but you must not allow it to overstay. Don't stay there. Yeah. Get up. Do something. Yeah. If you stay there and you sit in the pain for too long, you become the victim almost. Yeah. Or or you think, wow, uh, this happened to me. Oh, wow. Why, you know, why are they treating me like this? Or why am I in this situation? Or I can't believe I got here. And Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't really help us move forward when we just stay there. But there yeah. is a sense of sitting there, reflecting, so you know, like what lesson you're you're being taught. Yeah. Um, one of the things that has kept coming up this past week to me is like to play this victor versus the victim mm-hmm. um, mentality. Is one realize, and you said this tonight, that in your weakness, like God is strong. And like we can cling on to that when things are tough. But see, I've always struggled with thinking either the far right or the far left of like, I need to control everything in my life and I have control over everything Mm -hmm. in my life or the far left where I'm like, I have no control. God has it all. What am I going to do about it? You know, what can I do about it? And I think most recently I've been, God's been teaching me that he does have ultimate control over Mm -hmm. my life. He does have the ultimate plan and I can trust that and I don't have to control that, but he gives me agency. Mm -hmm. He gives me the, the uh, power, the agency to take the next step Mm -hmm. to move the ball forward. And I think that is so helpful of like this tension between I don't have control to I have agency 
to move forward and to, to, to move things along and to take a next step down the path that God's leading me. Yeah. What helps you when you're in those moments uh, and, and you want to play the victim card, but you know that you're, you're ultimately a victor because of who you are in Christ? I think one of the most simplistic tools somebody ever gave me is when your mind is racing and when you're asking, why me? to literally picture a stop sign in your head, bright red that says stop right across it. So you stop those thoughts and now you have to replace it with something. And I think that that is one of the most practical steps that has been helpful for me. And I think on the other side is that people can look at the story of Bathsheba and say she had a right to be hurt. And you can hear the story about how a church leader and mentor turned a relationship for something that was wrong and say, Tally, I'm so sorry, that must hurt. And you'd be right. It hurts. But when I met Jesus, he didn't tell me any different. He understood my pain and all he asked was for me to understand his heart. Mm -hmm. Because when we look at it, Jesus had a right to be hurt. He had every right to say, I don't deserve this. He lived a perfect life and he died for imperfect people And it makes sense that he wouldn't want to do that. And in the middle of the turmoil, when everyone's back was turned on him, he just said, God, forgive him. And I think that as young adults, we're very good at forgiving and filing. We're very good at saying, there's been this hurt in my life, and I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm going to remember that situation, and I'm going to carry it with me. But the part that we have to understand is that you have to let it go. You have to let situations stay where they are and take the lessons you learned with you. You have to realize that if you learn one thing, you can be better instead of bitter. And a big part of that is learning how to forgive and how to move on. When you come to these stop signs and it's a red light Mm -hmm. and you want to get it to a green light. You Mm -hmm. want to replace these negative thoughts with the positive thoughts. Yeah. Like what are some things that you will do to kind of reshift that? Yeah. I think it's a lot of things. I think one in the moment when I'm by myself and I'm flashing that big red stop sign in my head, it's what am I feeling? Why was this triggered? And why is this feeling real? But why can't I rely on it? And going through that process. And then two, taking the time in my community group every Monday night and say, you know what, guys, this week I flashed a stop sign during this time. And this is what I, my perception of the situation. Can you tell me what you think about that? And how could I have done something better? And two, recognizing that when I turn to the word and when I turn to my Bible and I read that, I find something that's reliable. A lot of times when I flash that stop sign, it's because I'm believing a lie. And so how can I recognize the lie unlearn it, but then relearn the truth. Yeah, that's really, really good. Uh, and, and I can relate to times in community where I've gone through some tough things and I need people to shed light on that. I need people to ask me how I'm doing. I need people to check in on me because a lot of times when we're in those tough spots, we don't want anyone to know. Oh yeah, We want to keep it to ourselves. And then just being reminded like that a lot of times when you're going through a tough thing, 
the thing that's going to fix it isn't trying to just do more good or trying to do something different. It's, it's sometimes just trying to get your heart in the right spot. Yeah. And getting in the word really helps kind of realign my heart mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, I truly believe it takes a heart change to, to take an action uh, change or to have an action change. And I think it's so easy to forget that, that we just try to go into fix mode mm-hmm. and we just try to fix, fix, fix the problems. But that actually... Most of the time, I have found it only makes the problem a lot, lot worse. So I love those helpful tips, Tally. If you had to say, okay, young adults listening to this podcast or listening tonight to the message, I want to leave you with one takeaway. Uh, This is the one thing you could tell them and you would never see them again. What would you say? I love that question. It's my number one question I ask people. I think the one takeaway that I would have is, When you've experienced hurt, when you've experienced something and you don't understand how you can get from where you are to where you want to be, a lot of times it's because you're standing on the bottom of your staircase and you're looking to the top and you think I should be there right now. But you need to pause and recognize that you just need to look at the next step in front of you. And how can you take that next right step so that one day you do get to the top of your staircase? Yeah, I love that. And and just keep asking when it gets tough or even when it's good, what mm-hmm. is the next step that I can continually take that's going to lead me into obedience with God and his plan for my life? Yeah. And for young adults who are listening, if, if they aren't in that walk with God yet, I would encourage you this week, uh, maybe ask someone what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Find someone that you know that is following God and is walking daily, and not that it's perfect, but that it looks different than what you're doing, I would encourage you to ask them, like, what does this really look like? What did this look Mm -hmm. like for you? Because I think personal stories and and hearing that from someone that you trust and that someone that's in your life that you respect can really help shine some light into what that looks like. Thank you, Tally, for your time today. And I know giving the message tonight was even after a big retreat weekend and you played a big, big role in that and you still gave us an amazing word tonight. And I know God's just working through you in so many ways and you're impacting so many ladies and so many young adults in the Springfield area because of your investment every single week. So thank you, Tally. Thank you. 